You're listening to the best of the day. I say you the, you the best. Halford and Brock. Did we just lose the f***ing Canucks? No, 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 no. You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Yeah, I, I thought we uh, came out uh, really flat here today. Uh, we weren't ready to play. Tried to build them up. You told them how good they played in Calgary, and we did an awful lot of good things. And then we come here, and it's not even the same team. So it's hard to understand sometimes. Stanford band nowhere in sight. Uh-oh, it's picked off. Uh-oh, oh no. Unbelievable. Oh, wow. Incredible. Chandler Jones takes it in. What a freaking boost. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Monday. Cold, cold Monday. It is Halford. It is Brough. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. A-Dog, good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Brough of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience a Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. I mentioned we are coming to you live from the toasty, warm Kintech Studios. Jason, Tell them more about Kintech. Oh, toasty warm Kintech. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. We have an absolutely massive show today on the Halbro Experience on Sportsnet 650. Can we just take a moment to truly appreciate the sporting weekend that we just experienced? Okay. Can I just tell you that there are very few times that I come in here at 6 o'clock in the morning and I'm like, all right. Excitement. Usually I'm tired. But today. Did you just tell all the listeners that normally you come in for the show and you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe I got to do this again. Loathing my existence. Right. Loathing it. But today. Normally you hate the show. 10% less loathing. Seriously, though. Just think about what happened on the weekend. Sunday alone, Mm -hmm. we had maybe... I can't even believe I'm saying this out loud because it sounds stupid, but it's true. The greatest soccer game ever. (laughs) Ever played. Ever played. History of the sport, that might have been it. But then after that, we had maybe the craziest finish in NFL history. Mm -hmm. And if that wasn't enough, the day prior... We had that Canucks game. (sighs) Well, we did have a lot of news and notes and rumblings and rumors (laughs) about the local (laughs) hockey squadron. And then before that... We had the biggest comeback in NFL history. All that happened in 48 hours. Do you think Matty Ice is like, you know what? I don't like big leads no, anymore. No, it's, it's not my thing. <laughs> I don't like them. They're hard to protect. Sometimes they get frittered away. But anyway, look, all my notes it was, are... It was an awesome sports weekend. My notes are literally, dear God, what a weekend. And what a weekend it was. So we are going to recap it today. With a very good lineup of guests, 6.30, James Sharman, Sportsnet football analyst, is going to join us. Uh, three guesses about what we're going to talk about. The bronze medal game yeah. between Croatia and Morocco. Gareth gonna... Southgate, uh, what's next for him? Well, FIFA, you know, England did win the FIFA Fair Play Award See, at the World Cup. That's disappointing. That's like, I, I don't want that. I don't, that's like the Lady Bing trophy. It is. The, for those of you who have no idea what we're talking about, that's the yeah. Lady Bing. You got the fewest penalties. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Here's your trophy. Uh, so 6.30, James Sharman. Uh, we will talk about just a, an unbelievable, unbelievable World Cup final. They could not have scripted it. Anybody. The Qatari government could not have written a better script for that. 
It was impressive. So 6.30, James Sharman is going to join us to talk about everything that happened uh, yesterday at the World Cup Final in Qatar. 7 o'clock, Mike Tannier, our NFL insider from Football Outsiders. I still don't really know exactly how the end of the Patriots-Raiders game happened. I mean, I saw it mm-hmm. over and over and over again. It still defies logic what happened there. So we'll talk to Mike about that and everything else that went on in the NFL. And then at 8 o'clock, IMAX going to join us. And I know you mentioned that enthralling Canucks match on the weekend, a 5-1 loss to the Winnipeg Jets at home. Another 5-1 loss at home. Yeah, that's right. But uh, we'll talk to IMAX about really everything that happened off the ice because there were a lot of rumblings and rumors that went on during and after Sorry, not I was part of the broadcast, but in the middle and at the end of the Hockey Night Canada broadcast. Patrick Alvin said so much. He just just full of information, that guy. He was just bursting at the seams of details and things mm-hmm. and what have you. So 8 o'clock, IMAX, 7 o'clock, Mike Tanier, 6.30, James Sharman. Uh, the Canucks are in action tonight, once again at home against the St. Louis Blues. Note the start time, 7.30. We are giving away not one, but two, two pairs of tickets. Please wear a jacket if you go to the game. It's cold. That is responsible broadcasting right there. Okay, <laughs> It's cold. Wear a jacket. Uh, Monday Night Football Rams Packers. Uh, World Junior Exhibition play gets underway today. Canada is going to take on Switzerland in WJC exhibition action. There's a bunch of other NHL games, a bunch of NBA games. It's a great time of the year for sports. So we are going to do our thing, and we're going to try, try to recap and tell you what happened. <laughs> Did you guys see the game last night? No. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Missed that? You missed that? What happened? They have been playing the World Cup for 92 years. And on Sunday, it was the greatest game that FIFA and that tournament have ever produced. So can we go back and just... Kind of recap how the game went. Absolutely. It won't be the most professional recap, but that's kind of what you get on the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. We can do it pretty quickly. So we're all, so we all woke up um, early on a a Sunday, and uh, for 80 minutes of the game, it looked like Argentina was going to win fairly comfortably, and Messi, who scored, uh, would be crowned as the greatest ever. It would be exciting, um, but looking back on the game, you, you'd wonder, hey, maybe France had been affected by that virus that was running through their team. Maybe they maybe they just didn't have it on that day, and tip of the cap to old Argentina, who wins uh, you know, another World Cup to add to uh, their collection. And then Mbappe happened, mm-hmm. scoring two quick goals in the 80th, and 81st. So yep. not only did they get on the board, they tied it. And we were in for an incredible ride after that. Messi had an incredible chance to win it in um, in stoppage time. But the French keeper made a great, great save. So to extra time we went. Mm-hmm. Where Messi scored in the 108th minute. And looked to have not only won the game for Argentina... But he also regained the golden boot yes. as the tournament's leading scorer. And then Mbappe happened again. This time on a PK after Argentina was called for handball. And I just want to say, at that point in the game, um, when that PK was given, 
there almost wasn't a like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. Because everyone was still so shocked by what had already happened. Mm-hmm. So Mbappe regains the golden boot and the match is once again up for grabs, all the while Again, we couldn't really believe what was happening. Not only was this a World Cup final, the stakes also seemed to include Messi's legacy. Yep. After France nearly won it at the death. Well done. And that, again, was like another ho-hum moment in some ways, right? You're like, wow, yeah, the Argentinian keeper made an incredible save there, but we're kind of used to this by now. This is crazy what's going on. Um, we went to penalties because of course we went to penalties where both Messi and Mbappe stepped up to score. So that's, uh, four total goals for Mbappe. Yeah. The hat trick in the actual game and then scores another in penalties. Uh, now eventually France did falter in penalties and Messi finally had his world cup celebration, which included not the golden boot, because that went to Mbappe, but he was named the tournament's best player, so the golden ball. Uh, I loved the line by Peter Drury during the celebration. Mm-hmm. Lionel Messi has shaken hands with paradise. I did that once at the bar, but uh, it was after a lot of drinks. Right. Are you paradise? Nice to meet you, pal. Um, oh, it that was, was a she. <laughs> Welcome to the bar, honey. <laughs> yeah. Freshen your drink, I'm not. Um, I will say this. Very rarely, almost never, do um, championship matches continually exceed your expectations to the point where you stop having them all together during the match. You, like you said, when Mbappe scored the penalty to make it 3-3 in extra time, it was almost like you were so overwhelmed mm-hmm. with dramatic moments. You know, I almost took it for granted. And the, re- to be the reason I was why like, I... just give me more, give me another dramatic turn. The reason I say that is they panned a certain segment of the French crowd, mm-hmm. and they weren't going nuts. Like they weren't celebrating in a big way. They almost looked shell shocked. Yeah. Put it this way: the game had so much drama and emphasis to it that you almost were always waiting for something else to uh, like either unfold or develop. Like if that match, the funny thing is, is that for um, as, as much drama and as profound that penalties had been in this tournament, I saw a lot of people quite accurately pointing out. They're like, for this game only, just let them keep playing because someone will score eventually because yeah. that's how the, the match was ending up. It was just tri- like, it, it was fascinating to watch. And I think a lot of this has to do with the, the implementation of the five subs is that you just really give so much more energy to a side. They were just exchanging opportunities back and forth and the Martinez save at the end of extra time. On Colomani, it was unbelievable to watch play out. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Most people on the West Coast were probably tired and bleary-eyed and mm-hmm. didn't get a lot of sleep. And even that, even with that backdrop, this was honestly one of the most incredible sporting things that I'd ever watched. I mean, we're old. We've done this for a long time now. We don't get excited about an awful lot. Because we've seen everything kind of play. I've never seen anything like this before in my life. So never. We're going to talk about this with uh, James Sharman, but I'll, I'll just throw it out to the listeners. Was that the greatest soccer match in history? Was it the greatest soccer match that you've ever watched? I, I don't. Uh, I haven't watched enough soccer to answer that question confidently. 
Um, but given the stakes and the twists and the turns and the superstars involved, um, I, it's got to be in the conversation. Like I, I look back at some of the great soccer finishes that I personally mm-hmm. have watched, and I was thinking about Manchester United in stoppage over Bayern in the 1999 Champions League. They scored twice in stoppage there. Uh, yeah. Liverpool coming back from 3-0. Uh, to Milan in the 2005 Champions League final. Both Champions League finals. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure those match up to what we saw Sunday. So, so listen, we got a really jam-packed show, so we're going to talk more of the World Cup with James Sharman in about 15 minutes. So uh, to all the soccer fans out there that want to talk more about this uh, World Cup final, we will, but... We also have to balance that with being the home of the Canucks. Those guys! The Vancouver Canucks had another brutal Saturday performance at home, and it had all the uh, post-game favorites, including Bruce Boudreau, a confused Bruce Boudreau. How many times? Honestly, that's a question that one of the beat reporters should ask for Bruce Boudreau. How many times afterwards? Laddie, do we have the audio? Can you cue up that audio? Because you used it in the intro. How many times... Have we heard Bruce Boudreaux, the head coach of the team, go, I don't understand the performance that we just gave. We played well the other day, or you'd think we'd be up for this moment, and yet here's what he had to say after a 5-1 loss to Winnipeg on Saturday. It's more frustrating watching our team sometimes when you can go from great to what whatever tonight was. You know, I mean, uh, uh, I thought – and you try to build them up. You told them how good they played in Calgary, and we did an awful lot of good things. And then we come here, and it's not even the same team. So it's hard to understand sometimes. It is hard to understand, Bruce. It's almost like maybe they're not a very good team. It was their fourth 5-1 loss at home this season. That's my favorite stat, by the way. Um, yeah, that's incredible. They have it's. They've actually got their fair share of five one. What are you laughing too. at? We're not even at the halfway point. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's not what home loss was the worst. It's what five one home loss was the worst. And there's of the four first candidates. There's one that doesn't even get on the podium. It's unbelievable. Can, really, can you actually add it up, uh, Laddie? If you if you've got time right 20 now, twenty to or, four. No, 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 no. I, you, you, you idiot. Oh. Uh, don't anticipate what I'm going to ask. How many times have their games finished five one? Because they've won 5-1 two or three times it's as well. It's their favorite score. Their fa- it. it is their favorite score because it means the fans don't get much excitement. Um, I, I'm also going to use a word that we've used probably way too much, but juxtaposition because it was the juxtaposition of the way the Jets played mm-hmm. um, that I think showed what the Canucks do not have. Now, remember, the Jets... Their offseason mirrored that of the Vancouver Canucks in a lot of ways. A lot of people expected big changes to the roster after a disappointing season. Mm -hmm. And yet there weren't big changes. They're relatively the same group as last season, except they brought in a new coach. And they've decided to play with structure and discipline. They also stripped the captaincy off Blake Wheeler. Maybe that was the key. (laughs) They made it easy on their goalie. <laughs> Connor Hellebuck after the game was like, yeah, I, I, I'm going to give all my credit to my teammates. And he also used this word, details. Yeah, We've just been so uh, focused on our details this, system, this, this season. I, I have to imagine that has a lot to do with Rick Bonus being the new head coach. Meanwhile, we know what this management group has said about the Canucks' detail. 
and their structure. And hey, you know, you watch them play, and you're absolutely right. The Jets made it very difficult for the Canucks to get through the ice and attack. And thusly, they made it easy on their goalie, Connor Hellebuck, who made a fair amount of saves, but how many of them were all that difficult? Well, I'd also like to point out when you talk about comparing the teams, and I made sure to put this right at the top of the notes. It was, it was, I thought it was very clever. Whoever wrote the gamer for NHL.com also added this right at the top that yes, the Canucks were without leading scorer Elias Pettersson. Also, the Winnipeg Jets were without Blake Wheeler and Nate Schmidt. Right? Like for anyone that was going to try and hang that on, well, there were Canucks were without Petey and he's the the catalyst of the team and the leading scorer. The Jets came in undermanned as well due to injury. In fact, they probably actually had collectively more of a loss given how much both guys play. And they still found a way. And you know why they found a way? It's because when you're banged up or when you don't have your A game or you don't have your best players available, you can always fall back on structure and details and knowing what to do in certain moments. You can Mm -hmm. plug guys into the lineup. and You can be like, this is the way that we play and this is the way that we do things. So go and do these things and you'll make life easier on Connor back in net. And we'll have a good chance of winning. Lo and behold, they did. So, all honestly, you can almost throw the game onto the pile with the rest of the games. Yeah, it looked different, and the opponent was different, and the lineup for the Canucks was different. I know Besser wasn't in the lineup either. But the reality of it is, is it was, here we go again, play the greatest hits, or in this case, the greatest misses, and suffer another 5-1 loss at home. The real fireworks on the weekend had to do with the broadcast, oddly enough, because Fridge came Fridge came on the, the prior to the game. Yeah. And then Patrick Alvine bookended it with his interview, right? Well let's play the Fridge audio now. Um because this is the audio that we had uh coming into the the game. And it might have been the most exciting thing of, of all. Not exciting, but it w- it created some buzz. Uh the game was you know, just we've seen this this performance from the Canucks before, and too often we've seen it at Rogers Arena. And there was another jersey on the ice, and the Canucks got booed off the ice after the end of it. I mean, I was happy for the Jets fans that were there. At least they got to see their team perform well. Yep, and perform with some uh, perform with some discipline and structure and some professionalism. Um, here was Elliot Freeman, and this is going to carry the conversation a lot today, uh, especially when we talk to IMAC. At 8 o'clock, we're kind of going to be bouncing around a little bit to soccer and hockey and a little bit of NFL with Mike Tannier. But here's what Elliot Friedman had to say before the Canucks even got to start their dismal performance against the Winnipeg Jets. I think one of the questions we're all trying to figure out is, what are the Vancouver Canucks up to? What is their goal here with some of the conversations they're having around the league? And here's the best I can give you. Number one, they're not interested in a rebuild or a teardown, but they are interested in changing their mix and breathing some new life into the team. They have indicated that they have one untouchable, and that is Pedersen. Now, I know what everybody's going to start to say. What does that mean about Quinn Hughes? And what I was told is that the Canucks have said it would take an absolutely mammoth offer. This is not something they're looking to do. It would take a mammoth offer for them to part way with the tremendous young defenseman. And just the other thing, Bo Horvat, we've all been wondering this week about what his future is. The best I can sense, Ron, is that, and Jeff, is that mm-hmm. JT Miller's contract is worth $56 million. I just don't think they want to go over that for Horvat and his year has put him over that. 
So lots to chew on from that. Um, they're not interested in a rebuild or a teardown. They're just and, building, Jason. They're just building. And yet there's only one untouchable, and that is Elias Pettersson. Here's the big question that I have, and I feel like it's been the big question for a long time. Mm-hmm. Here in Vancouver, when it comes to this Canucks team, do the Canucks have an actual plan? Right. And Two if questions. simply getting incrementally better year after year or minute after minute or brick after brick or step after step, if that can actually be called a plan, like our plan is to just get better every day, like a human being trying to be better yep. than the day before. Mm-hmm then can it actually work? Or without a more intricate plan, without a plan maybe to get worse before you get better, Sure. will it doom the Canucks to mediocrity at best? Now, I will just throw it out there that Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford came from a franchise that have won multiple Stanley Cups. How did they do that? Well, look at the superstars that have played in Pittsburgh. Mario Lemieux was the first overall pick, and the Penguins got him when they were terrible. Sidney Crosby was the first overall pick, and the Penguins got him when they were terrible. Mm-hmm. They also got Malkin and Flurry. What was, Mal- uh, what was Malkin's second overall? And Fleury was first overall, right? Yep. And Yarmir Yager was in there. Mm-hmm. And they didn't get him because they were amazing. Mm-hmm. Just throwing it out there. Yeah. No, I, I, I get what you're saying. I, it, here's the problem with everything that happened on Saturday as it pertains to the questions that you're asking. You want to know, do the Canucks have a plan? Right? That's plain and simple. It's like, and, if the, and if you do have a plan, what is it? Is it literally like we just want to get better, which is, you know, something that life coaches say. Just try and get better every day. (laughs) Try and get better every day. Um, So Alvin goes on Hockey Night in Canada in the aftermath, and the stage was already set where I, I mean, I felt it. You know, I wouldn't even watch a game. I was following it on my phone because I was out that night, but I was like, another one of these. It's going to be another one where an executive has to go after a gross loss at home (laughs) and the mood and the tenor is raw and Cheech is trying to keep it light. (laughs) He's like, ah, here's a hockey card from when you played at Lexans. And then it was, Alvin gave him nothing. First and foremost, the number one response, and I know all of you had the same response as well, is he gave him nothing and he was tr- he wasn't standoffish, but he said a lot without saying anything. And I think that's by design. I think that's his personality, the Johnny Tight Lips thing, and everything. Do you think the Canucks have a more intricate plan than they're letting on, or is it honestly like, hey, we're just going to try and find some hockey trades and shake up the mix of this group, but we have no intention of going. All right, we're going to tear this thing down. And then we're going to rebuild it back up. We're going to lean into, uh, you know, bad teams get high picks in the draft. This draft is going to be incredible. So maybe this is an opportunity for us. Or do you honestly think that, for example, if they are to trade Bo Horvat, they're not going to be seeking first round picks or draft picks. They're going to honestly be looking for a hockey trade that they are somehow going to find a team that is going to go, oh, Bo Horvat a rental? 
We'd love Bo Horvat as a rental. Okay. And we will actually give you valuable hockey players that we are using right now. Okay, I hate saying this because it's uh, it's not helpful in the slightest, but I have no idea. I have no idea what. Yeah, me neither. Because here's the thing. Put, just as we talk about juxtapositions again, uh, have the Alvin audio ready where he talks about his opinion of the team. This It's unbelievable. Rutherford, when he speaks publicly, has been wildly critical of this team. Wildly critical of the way that they play. Wildly critical of the coaching staff. Um, you know, Alvin earlier, the only thing that has ever really raised an eyebrow that he's ever said is when he said, like, we're, we're the team that doesn't have the superstar. And we're like, oh, that's an interesting take on your team. Okay. So publicly, they have said that they are not super enamored with the whole thing, the whole group. And then Alvin goes on Hockey Night in Canada, and he's asked if his, if his opinion on this team and the group and the core and the leadership has changed whatsoever. And then we get this kind of word salad here. I'll play it, and I'll let you guys listen to it, and then we'll come back on the other side and try and make sense of exactly what's going on here. Alvin has asked, has your opinion on the team changed at all over the last little bit? First, I, I still think we're, you know, it, as I said, it takes time to change the, the, the standard, the culture, uh, demanding more of each other. Um, and our vision stayed the same. As I said, we were trying to, to uh, add younger players here and, and continue to build. Uh, we have a lot of good, good players on the team here, on our team. And, and uh, I think we've been uh, very inconsistent uh, um, at the start of the season here. Uh, so we need to find the consistency here uh, in our game. Um, so uh, nothing, has, nothing has really changed. Nothing has really changed. My question is, what exactly did you guys think of this group beforehand then? Because the Miller extension alone does not jive or fit with anything that he just said where they're trying to bring in younger players in that sort of 25 age range, right? They've locked Miller up uh, to a contract that's going to take him well into his 30s. Mm -hmm. And the Horvat situation, as it's currently playing out, either seems to be... Uh, an acknowledgement to the former part where he said, like, we are, you know, we're inconsistent, we're trying to move things, we're trying to get younger. But if they do end up re-signing him, that's a second contract that doesn't jive with anything that they've said. So when I say I don't know what they're doing, I literally do not know what they're doing. And I've looked at this and studied it and written down notes and done the math in my yeah. head. Done it all. There's a lot of like, okay, he says this, but they did this. Or... Right. Or Alvin said this, but Rutherford said this, but Rutherford said this, and then Alvin said this. Okay. And they all seem to be inconsistent. They're like yep. the Canucks. We just have to have a little more consistency. So we're going to talk to James Sharman uh, coming up next. Very busy show. Um, we're going to be flipping back and forth to various topics. So uh, pay attention. You got to pay attention. James Sharman will talk about the World Cup. Was that the greatest soccer match ever played? I think. There's probably a Carisdale Strikers game that I was involved in, or maybe Shorty was involved in that mm -hmm. was as good. But John Catliff, may yeah, maybe yeah, John Catliff, uh, but maybe not the stakes. Maybe they were showing the that game on TV earlier. They too. were, yeah, of uh, <laughs> of of Sunday's uh, Argentina France clash. We'll talk to James Sharman about that. We'll wrap up the World Cup, which is kind of disappointing, actually. As now we've just got the Canucks to focus on, and we'll go into the Dunbar Lumber text line. So any quest, uh, questions or comments, 
Text them in to 650-650. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the day. Halford and Bruff. You take your best offensive player out, and usually that's uh, uh, that's not a good thing on any team. 7.32 on a Monday. Chilly Monday. I'm just getting up to speed with today's weather forecast. Sounds like more snows on the horizon. How many times were you out shoveling the walk yesterday? Uh, a couple times and I was, I was salting two, it down. Yeah, I had, a, I had a two shovel. It, was, it wasn't too bad. I put a lot of salt down after the first one, so... But it was a two-shovel day. Yeah. Hopefully, maybe one today. It's cold, man. Mm-hmm. I know we get in it rather early. Oh, no, it's cold, and it's going to Bonif- get colder. Bonafide ungodly hours, but it was cold out there. It's going to be like minus 12 on Thursday or something. Oh, yeah, for sure. My parents yeah, are visiting from Ontario. One. They brought the weather with them, so I apologize. They for just everyone. parked it. Are <laughs> they Are they going to be the Ontario types? It's like, it's not that cold. I'm wearing shorts. No, they're right. like, it's it's different here. It's uh, the dampness. You know, It, just it hits you. different. It hits you. Yeah. I saw a guy wearing shorts this morning, too. Oh, what a brave soul. Yeah, uh, I saw that too. He was right outside the station. Yeah. I'm like, he didn't even look like he was going to the gym either. Just like shorts. He's just a shorts guy. <laughs> yeah. You are listening to the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer today. Uh, hour two of the program brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle. You get paid. We're coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics providers, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. That audio we played coming back from break, that was Bruce Boudreau following Vancouver's 5-1 loss to the Winnipeg Jets on Saturday night at Rogers Arena. Laddie did the count. Do you remember it off the top of your head, uh, all the five-goal games, either good, bad, or otherwise, that the Canucks have been involved in? We know that, what is it, it's four... 5-1 losses at home this year. Right, but they've won 5-1 a couple of times, yeah, right? Yeah, two times, so it's yeah. six 5-1 games, but they've also had two 5-2 losses. I love five-goal games, just mm-hmm. e- either way. It, it is a truly remarkable stat, the home, that they've lost 5-1 at home four times already this year. I don't know what it is about Saturday night at Rogers Arena when it involves the Vancouver Canucks, but it has been brutal. Brutal this hey, that year. that overtime loss or overtime win over the Coyotes, that was magic. That's right. I forgot about the premier that. teams in the NHL. Yeah, it was magic. Not even counting the 5-1 losses. I mean, and I think back, it's like even the, op- the opener, opener against Buffalo when there were multiple jerseys on the ice. Like, the 5-1 loss to Buffalo. <laughs> it was 5-1. It was 5-1. Uh, the, the loss to Minnesota last weekend was gross. It was flat. It's really bizarre. It's almost comical, except <laughs> we're not laughing. We're not laughing at all. Anyway, after this latest 5-1 loss, uh, we mentioned, and we played a lot of the audio, and we'll continue to do that. Patrick Alvin, Canucks general manager, went on After Hours with Scott Oak and John Garrett and talked at length about the club. But despite talking at length about the club, we had no real idea of what the direction the future of the plan was for the club. However, some people did point out that there was an Elias Pettersson angle, which kind of raised eyebrows. You'll remember earlier in the season, I think it was a preseason interview that Alvin did, 
He classified the Canucks as a team that don't have the superstar. Remember that? Right. Yep. Don't have the superstar. And it was an interesting remark because a lot of people said, well, I thought Pedersen might be a superstar. So in fielding questions from Twitter, which is always enjoyable, <laughs> Scott Oak found one that asked Alvin if he was willing to revisit that assessment of the Canucks not having a superstar and if Elias Pedersen is indeed that superstar. Uh, here is Johnny Tightlips himself, the answer to uh, revisiting this the conversation about Pedersen being a superstar. You know what? Elias has been really good. Uh, credit to him. He, he came prepared this summer. Um, and it's showing us uh, that he's capable of, of taking over and, and uh, leading by example. Um, not just only scoring goals, but the way he plays a 200-foot game, um, the way he's been probably our most consistent player here. So I think he's on the rise, and, and it's great to see. The only reason I bring this up So is he didn't because, answer the question. Right. Well, a lot of people pointed out, it's like, just call him a superstar. Now, I'll, I would give Alvin some credit there is that if you don't need to put anything out there for fodder, yeah. don't bother. But he's also, he's also got a fairly big contract negotiation yeah. coming up with Elias Pettersson. I'm sure JP Barry is just sitting there waiting. He's like, call him a superstar. Yeah. Say it out loud on the record. So, uh, but it's an interesting uh, topic of conversation in light of what Elliot Friedman said prior to the game on that same broadcast that everyone on this team except for Elias Pettersson, or sorry, Pettersson is the only untouchable. That's what uh, Frege's reporting, reportage, kind of unveiled. So there's a real interesting dynamic here as it pertains to the conversation you and I have been having all day. Where What's the plan? Is there a rebuild? Would they even entertain it? If the notion is there's only one untouchable, you'd have to say, yeah, maybe the option is out there. But when you hear them talk and you see the actions and you see the history, it's hard to really say that anyone either has the stomach or is fully committed or even partially committed to rebuilding. I, I hate saying it out loud, but you, you keep throwing it out there, and rightfully so, that you're like, I'm good with this group. I've seen it. They've tried it. I don't like it. I don't want it. Yeah. Make some change. I'm, I'm, I'm not good with the group. <laughs> you're, good with, you're good with moving on. I've seen on. enough. You're good with moving I've on. I've seen enough. Uh, and, and that's great. And that's... I'm glad that it's out there and it reflects a large portion of our listenership and the fan base. Prove me wrong, kids. Prove me wrong. The issue is that the people in charge of making the decisions might not, and dare I say, are not there. Mm -hmm. They're not interested in doing what the New York Rangers did most notably and probably most recently is the, is the idea of a public declaration, the white flag the Habs, on this group. The Habs did it too. The Habs had done it too. But the Habs are still in that process of getting back to being. I would say Chi I would say Chicago's in the midst of doing it too. Yeah, well, Chicago's at the very beginning. Chicago mm -hmm. stinks right now, mm -hmm. right? I mean, well, Chicago's still got to sell off Taves and Kane. Yeah, so they're they're in the the early stages of it. the mm -hmm. The Rangers are at the point where you can say proof of concept, right? Sure. You yeah. send a letter, you trade away everyone that you like, mm -hmm. and you start anew. And there's only one guy, one guy. From those teams that went to the Stanley Cup final in 2014 and 20, whatever the years were. Yeah, yeah. And it's just Chris Kreider. Mm -hmm. Everything else is new. So, I feel like we're at a point now that a lot of people want to see that in Vancouver. And we don't know where the management group is. Biggest difference with that Rangers group is that that group accomplished something. It was good. And then everyone acknowledged it was time to end it. Right. Too old. 
Henrik Lundqvist ain't getting any younger. That was more like the 2012 Canucks group or the 2013 Canucks group. The the biggest, the fundamental difference between what happened there and what's going on in Vancouver right now is that you've got a fan base that is just exasperated and exhausted by all the losing. They're just tired of it. We we, We are now, by the way, like we're in Buffalo and Edmonton territory. Do you remember, do you remember um, I guess it was probably five or six years ago now, people would say, God, I hope we don't turn into Edmonton, or I hope we don't turn into Buffalo, where you sit there and you have these debates, like, is it the culture? Well, I don't know if it's, I don't know if you can say it's the culture when you have a blue line like this. Is it the coach? Should we change the coach again? What about a GM? Like, how are we going to get out of this? How are we going to get out of this? We're we're just caught in this this endless cycle of you know, all right, bring in this veteran player or see if this turns it around or you know do this or do that. Like, what is the problem? There seem to be so many problems. We can't get a can't get a handle on all the problems. Yeah, and like it, we're there now. We are in Vancouver. We are Buffalo. We are the Edmonton Oilers. Unfortunately, we're the Edmonton Oilers before they found McDavid. Right. And this entire backdrop, what you're talking about, is what this current management group inherited. Good, bad, or otherwise, that's the gig. That's the job. That's the game plan. Right? You, you can't escape your history. And you can't just... I know, I, I know everyone wants to say we're starting fresh, but it's a lie. No one starts fresh. You no. inherit everything, including a fan base that is, one, rabid, and two... Frustrated. That's a mm-hmm. bad combination, right? If there was winning to appease them, you might have a more collective buy-in to whatever this current management group was selling. But you don't have a lot of success over the last decade. Here, here's a question that I have for you. Okay. And Laddie and Adog, if they want to participate, if they're not busy doing producer stuff. How much of the frustration with this current Canucks group has in the fact that not only are they losing, they're losing in really pathetic ways. I'll turn this one over to Andy because Andy's the most wide-eyed, optimistic guy of the group. He loves the performances performances at home when they're just so toothless and they don't have anything that you can really latch on to. There's not like... Well, you know what? They're, at least they're like working really hard. Or, you know, you look at the team and go, well, this is just a team that doesn't have enough talent, but at least they're out there blocking shots and, and, and hitting guys and, and showing emotion, like showing some try. The, their losses at home have been, you know, they're getting booed off the ice. Their jersey's on the ice. How much of that do you think plays into the frustration with management's kind of, we're just going to keep on going attitude? I would imagine, without knowing for certain, that the players probably look at this lack of direction and find it disheartening because they know, like, there's nothing. This is as good as it's going to get for this core of players. As you said yourself, they're in their primes now. This is it. This is as good as it's going to get unless there are massive changes that are made. But the management group and ownership has never given any inkling or sign that, that they want that to happen, that they would rather just piecemeal it and hope that it works out. And St. Louis blues it. Hey, you get in the playoffs, anything will happen. Right. You know, and it's just that's never worked. 
I mean, it's a crapshoot at best. But, but but for you as a fan, it's disheartening. Disheartening, disheartening to see the performances at home, and knowing that there's nothing good coming down in the pipeline. Like if they had like five or eight um, really high draft picks coming yeah. up in the next two or three drafts, mm-hmm. especially this draft, which is one of the best in like 15 years, they're saying. If they had a bunch of picks coming up in this draft, I would be able to stomach the losing because I'd be knowing like, okay, down the road there are there are going to be changes. We're getting in new talent. We're getting in young players, and the and the dynamic will change. But that that's not the case. And yes, part of it's the cap, and part of it is they're they're constricted and not able to make these moves because of just the, the economics of it all, mm-hmm. but they still haven't given any any signs to the fan base that they're willing to do that, and I think that is the most frustrating part, even more than the losing. I could stomach the losing if I know there's a future, but there isn't a future right now. It's just perpetual me- mediocrity. Yeah, it's a capped-out team with no prospects coming, and they're still losing games like this. Yeah, there's no... <laughs> <laughs> they're screwed. And they're like, let's you keep know? going. Yeah, let's keep going no... with this. Like, where are you going to go? What's your direction? They haven't even told us that. Well, building, okay. building it. We're building. That's the direction. That's the direction. Well, what does that mean? Yeah, it's it's gotten past the point of where you're like, oh, they're new on the job. Give them time. You're obviously in evaluation mode, right? At this, the, the scary part right now is, I was thinking about this last night, is the best, I think the best case scenario is that when the story is written, it's one of those, yeah, it started rocky, but boy, they pulled it together. That's the, because that's the, right now, there's no other way to classify the first year of this regime mm-hmm. other than pretty rocky. Yep. You know, like no one right now has taken, and it's been a year on the job because we're December 19th, has taken the first year of the Rutherford era and said, Man, what a great opening salvo that was. Would you think a little bit differently about this management group if they hadn't signed JT Miller to that massive extension? Because I would. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I would think that, okay, listen, I, I would give them more of a, well, it's the flat cap excuse. Like, even if, even if McKayev had been added, because I look at McKayev right now and I actually see him as an asset to the team. Like yeah. I don't see him as an as a liability. No. He's still a young guy. They've added some decent pieces. He would still he would still have a market value. If they were to trade Mikheyev right now, I'm sure they'd have people that were interested in giving them something tangible for Mikheyev. Um but the JT Miller contract for me was an endorsement of a player that I don't think uh given his age and frankly some of the times the way he plays um should be leading this group. Mhm. I mean the Miller contract, that extension, it may it would make sense. Hell, it would be a good deal for other teams in other situations. Yeah, if they were like a cup contender. Yeah, like that's it the thing. It would make perfect sense. If you if you surgically removed it from the team and were able to port it over anywhere, there's certain teams in the NHL well, that'd be a great deal. It was the first big red flag for me. It was the first, oh no, is right. this going to be a Benning 2.0? Like is yeah. this it's going to start all over again? I have I have many questions for the group here, so I'm just going to keep asking them. Mm. Should we bristle at the notion that uh, Patrick Galvin called the Canucks the sixth youngest team in the NHL, or at least they started the season as the sixth youngest team? Because if you look at the actual stats of what their current team is, they're average age. They're like 27 years old, and one of the reasons that at the start of the season they seemed a little bit younger, at least on paper, is because, remember, Klimovich made the team, and that yeah. was that was kind of a, a, a 
just he brought the average down. He brought the average. He's nineteen yeah. years old, right? But yeah. but he he obviously didn't make the team. He was on the opening day roster for salary cap purposes. He's like me in a group project. That yeah, seemed you're like, bringing the average down. That seemed like a real um, PR thing to say. You know, yeah. and that was a little. I don't we know. Didn't part you didn't use Riley Stillman's name as like one of the. Part of me thought <laughs> well, that that, that was, was another thing. Okay, so <laughs> having yeah, having, you sure did bring him in. Yeah, having having watched this enough and kind of knowing how PR works is uh, the best way to not answer a question while answering a question is to literally rehash events as they played out. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. it's a good time killer. Yeah. You know when you come in in the morning and you're like, the Canucks played the Blues last night in the first. No, I'm just kidding. But like, you know what I mean, right? <laughs> like, you, I mean, because that's it. All of the things that he said mm-hmm. were statements of fact. Right. They didn't answer a question. They didn't really bring anything new to light. You did bring in uh, Riley Stillman and Ethan Bear, and those players are of the ages that you said <laughs> that they were on on television. Yeah, and now the question has been answered. So I kind of thought that it was just a way to talk and say stuff without actually giving anything of substance. Because I mean, the follow-up question would be like, "So just keep doing those moves, and everything will be fine." Yeah, or could you point to some examples that aren't third-paired defensemen? Although yeah. Bears gotten better, mm-hmm. and you know when he brought, could up you the, point to some examples that will actually make this team better? And then he, and then you know what the crazy part is? is Pulls he, out a dictionary, starts defining hockey, right. what he defines it as <laughs> the puck. <laughs> um, and I, I do wonder if we should. He, he then went on to name check a bunch of other guys: Joshua, Amon, and a handful of others. I'm probably missing a couple in the moment. And in in this grand scheme of things, we've talked about that. Oh, Studnika was the other one. Those acquisitions have been all right. Yeah. I think Stillman was. That's one of the upsides. Of the Stillman season. was. Stillman's not good. I don't think they're. I don't know why you would champion that. And again, I think he just pulled it was one of the names. But I think the Bear acquisition was good. Stadnika, Stadnika, what's Stadnika? Stadnika's not a player. I'm just saying they're all. He's got the dangles. But they're all periphery guys. Yeah. Right. Maybe one day. Um, that you show there can be a trend where you show a good ability at the pro scouting level to continually turn those type of guys over and get them in for cheap, and that's great. But it doesn't really address anything other than being able to fill in the margins. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't that, address the fact that they're still losing these games, you know, at home that are just dreadful efforts, yeah. dreadful and, performances yeah. that seem to um, demonstrate a team that's not only not talented enough, but quite often just miserable looking. And this, okay, so what you, and this is where there's the void and the unanswered question of what does this group think of this team and what is this group's plan for addressing it? Because Alvin, why is Bruce Boudreaux still the coach? Alvin was well, out. That, that, we haven't even talked about that. Alvin was out there on Hockey Night in Canada and. You know, he didn't even try and come up with excuses as to why they played like crap against the Jets. He's like, we were flat. Our power play wasn't very good. They didn't mention that their number one goalie was on the shelf, which is what every other GM would have done, mm-hmm. to be perfectly honest. They'd be like, well, it's tough to win when our MVP from last season, a number one goalie's out. But he didn't do it. They don't really seem all that interested in making excuses for why the team isn't playing well. I mean, they've come out and said it. We had a bad camp. We weren't ready. We were always unprepared. We have inconsistent efforts. So... In saying all that, you'd take a step back and you'd be like, boy, the uh, the management group is off, awfully critical of the employees. Why do they keep 
the same employees around? Why do they yeah. add more employees to the space? It, it is very, very confusing. And again, I'll go back to my earlier point. Uh, to do this with, with what Rutherford and Alvin and everyone are doing, to do this with, with this particular fan base at this particular moment, it's tough. Because all fans want is something reassuring. right? They just want to hear... Andy was kind of alluding to it. I want to know what the future has in store. I want, I want to know, know that there is a future. And there, it is not their job to parse that information to the public. If you want to keep it behind closed doors, that's great. But you're going to have to expect a lot of pushback, mm-hmm. a lot of critiques, and a lot of criticisms from a fan base that is, quite frankly, scarred from the last little bit. Because there's been a lot, a lot, a lot of losing. The Vancouver Canucks have three games before the holiday break. They play tonight. Against the St. Louis Blues. We're giving away tickets. We are giving away tickets. Really selling it uh, up, too, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> the St. Louis Blues, a team they might actually be able to beat. Uh, Thursday, they host the Seattle Kraken. The Kraken, I would call a surprise team in a playoff position right now. We'll be giving and tickets away for that, too. Friday, uh, they're in Edmonton, and that'll be an interesting one just because I don't know if you guys have noticed, but Oilers fans are kind of all over the Oilers right now. You know who's getting a lot of criticism on social media? Darnell, Darnell Nurse. Nurse. Yeah. They're ruthless with him right now. The Alberta teams has not been easy for those guys. So, three interesting games, I suppose. St. Louis tonight. Seattle on Thursday. Those are both home games. Pray for Mojo. <laughs> and then Friday uh, on the second of a back-to-back. Um, they are in Edmonton. IMAC is going to join us next. I'm going to ask IMAC, just what's your opinion on this team right now? Do you think they should rebuild? Do you think they have a plan? And if they do have a plan, can you help explain that plan to the fans? Uh, you're listening to the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. Just a reminder to get your What We Learns in. Text them into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. It is the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver. Online at DunbarLumber.com. Be sure to include the ticket emoji with your What We Learn if you want to be entered into a draw for for tickets to tonight's Canucks Blues game. So be sure you can make that game. First of all, be sure you're willing to brave this weather because Andy gets very frustrated when he has to reply to people and say, you've won the tickets. And then they're like, actually, I can't go because then Andy occasionally has to stay three minutes yeah, that's past 9 a.m. Unacceptable. And it's really <laughs> hard on him because what Andy really wants more than anything is to get home and have his morning Sunday. Cocoa. Hot cup of cocoa. Hot <laughs> cup of cocoa. In front of the fireplace. And just, just like so much sugar. Andy says he wants a future, but with all the sugar that he's eating, I don't know if he has one. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.